Philippians chapter 2, verse number 14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, world, we might say, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. Heavenly Father, we ask that you'd bless your word. Bless us with your word. Glorify our Savior with your word and with our response to it. We ask these things in his name. Amen. You may be seated. I need to remind myself from time to time that our primary purpose on Wednesday evening is prayer and worship. I know that we enjoy the study of the Word of God, and sometimes we'll call it a Bible study on Wednesday evening, but that's not our primary purpose. And then there is the fact that some of us have come from work, and we're tired, and we're perhaps tried. Of course, there are always things we need to hear again, and there are always things that we need to learn that we have not yet learned. So I'm tempted to dive into them from time to time. But rather than an in-depth Bible study on an evening like this, we need something biblically tasty and nutritious and easily digest. In that light, I hope to share with you tonight what could be really nothing more than the introduction to a larger and more important message. Perhaps these are the bones on which the Holy Spirit might put some flesh and some muscle in his good time. We'll just let him do that. This is certainly not an unimportant theme, but it might not be something that I would address unless I was uh, preaching through the book of Philippians. And I thought about it yesterday, and I thought, you know, I need to preach through the book of Philippians. I've never done that before. Maybe we'll do that one of these days. Anyway, all I have for you this evening is a relatively short devotional. But it should be tasty. And there's some nutrition in it, and hopefully it's easily digested. Paul tells his friends in Philippi, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Before getting to the murmuring and disputing, consider the very first word of the verse. Do. It's not do, Lord, do, Lord. It's you do, you do. 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 Of course, there are a great many things that as Christians we should not do. We can summarize them all by saying we should not sin. We should not sin against God. We should not sin against our neighbor. But Paul says, do all things in a manner that glorifies the Lord. When he says all things, once again we see the fact that all does not necessarily include absolutely everything. We are not supposed to sin without uh, murmuring and disputing, obviously. No, that's not it at all. Paul is saying, do all the things that you are supposed to do without debating about it. Do it. 
And obviously there are things we are supposed to do. To do. The Christian life is not an elevator taking us up uh, seven floors into uh, uh, the, the southern regions of heaven. We have a walk to walk. We have stairs to climb. We have friends to encourage up those stairs along with us. We have things to do. We have prayer and evangelism to do. We are to love and show charity. We are to show hospitality and so on. It isn't enough merely to think about them. We are to do them. It's kind of simple here. We are to do them. We aren't supposed to plan on doing them. We are to do all things for the glory of the Lord. To hope that someday we might be useful to our Savior is not a biblical hope. I don't know where that hope comes from, but it's not out of the Bible. Yes, our spiritual muscles might be weak, and yes, we may be injured so that going up all these stairs might be a little difficult for us. But nevertheless, with exercise, we can do those things that the Lord commands us to do. We submit to him, we surrender to him, we get our strength from him, and up we go. We should, of course, expect to grow, expect to mature and improve, but we are to do the things that the Savior has commanded us, exhorted us, and put into our hands right now. Don't wait for the better things, the more difficult things. There are things that we can do in our weaknesses. There are things that we can do in our immaturity. Do them, Paul says. We are to do those things without murmurings and disputings. Murmuring and disputing are a pair of rebellious and troublesome cousins. <laughs> But they have different natures, if you stop and think about it. One is bigger. One is more bold. And when he hears something that he does not want to do, he bows his neck and he vocally argues against it. I don't want to do that. He disputes these things he's supposed to do. Perhaps he, think, he thinks that he's smarter than his uh, overseer. Or he pictures himself as the man's equal. So he argues the orders because he thinks he knows better, at least as far as himself is concerned, that he is himself. So he disputes his orders. Do all things without murmuring and disputing <laughs> Murmurings and disputings. Now the other cousin, the smaller one, isn't so bold. He might even fear what could happen if he rebels against what he is supposed to do, what his mother has said, what his grandmother has said. So rather than disputing the orders, this uh, littler one, this younger one, this weaker one, mutters his rebellion, mutters under his breath, 
Noah Webster offers an interesting comment on the word murmur. We're more familiar with his second definition than his first. His first definition is to make a low, continued noise, like the hum of bees, a stream of water, or like the wind in a forest, to murmur. The trees, the aspen leaves were just murmuring away, or the little brook running down the hill murmurs away. And then in his second definition, he gets to the point, and he says, to grumble, to complain, to utter complaints in a low, half-articulated voice, to utter quietly a sullen discontent, mutter, murmur. As parents, perhaps we have had children like the first and children like the second. Every child is different. Which disturbed you the most if you did have those two? Or if you've ever pastored a church, you've got those and those. Uh, I'm just saying. I suppose it doesn't matter. But to me, the murmurers irritate me more than the outright complainers. The ones that talk behind your back. The ones that uh, uh, stir up other people because they don't want to look you in the face. They're more troublesome, in my opinion. Backslidden Christians might murmur and dispute with the Lord over the orders which he has given them. Or they might murmur over God's providence, the way he governs things. If the Lord wanted me to go out into the highways and hedges with the gospel, I think at the very least he could give me some good weather to do it in. He's in control of such things, isn't he? The complaint may not be so much about what God wants them to do, but about the circumstances in which he wants them done. How can God expect me to serve him when it is apparently his will that I hurt so badly. The Lord wants me to be hospitable and generous. It sure would be a lot easier if he'd make me wealthy. Murmur, murmur, murmur. Remember, we don't have to actually mutter our disapproval of the Lord for him to know about it. He... He hears what we imagine against him. Way down in the depths of our hearts, we wouldn't say it out loud because we're the weak cousin. So we just do it in here. He hears it. He sees it on our face, in our bodily gestures, our attitude. He knows it's there. Why should I do this? Why should I do this? There are some Christians who wouldn't dare complain against God or even mutter against the Lord. Oh, but they're quick to murmur about their Christian neighbors. They say with a whiny voice, John doesn't have to do this. Why do I have to do this? 
One of the commands which we might murmur against is the one that says we are to love our brethren. Oh, not him, Lord. Not that guy. Certainly not him. We are to rejoice with them in their blessings and their victories. And that the Lord is using that other person for the Lord's glory and not us doesn't give us a right to complain or, or murmur that we're not in the center of the spotlight where we would like to be. We should be pleased to see that God paints his landscapes in a variety of colors and with a variety of subjects in the foreground. We may not be in the foreground. We should rejoice that the Lord paints anything at all. Even though we all have many of the same responsibilities, isn't it a good thing to know that John has some special skills and Peter and Andrew have some other ones and they're different from ours and, and they all go together in this landscape that the Lord is painting? Yeah. And with those skills come individual do's. Do all things without murmurings and disputing. In contrast to the murmurings and disputings are the traits of blamelessness and harmlessness. Notice that to blame and murmur against others makes us blameworthy ourselves. The English words blame, blameable, have an interesting pedigree. Webster, my favorite dictionary, my new favorite dictionary, doesn't get into the etymology of words very often. So I have to turn to my former favorite dictionary for the history and the development of English words, which I do from time to time. Chambers defines blame by saying to find no to blame is to find fault with something or someone to censure something or someone and then he says that the word comes from the french blasmer which is a derivative of the greek word blasphemio obviously referring to blasphemy if you don't want to be blasphemed, stop murmuring and disputing. Essentially, that's contained in here. Two good biblical illustrations of blamelessness are Joseph and Daniel. Like Joseph, if anyone had good reason to murmur against God, or against the providence of God, it was Daniel. He had plenty to quarrel with the Lord about. But you'll not find either of these men disputing with the Lord over his providence, over God's will, over their duties within that providence. Joshua, excuse me, yeah, Joseph did what he was supposed to do. Daniel did what he was told to do. Joseph refused the easy way out of the snare of the temptress by doing the right thing, the godly thing. 
And when those who hated Daniel wanted to get rid of him, making his life even more miserable than it, than it was, they could think of only one way to blame him. Daniel 6, 4 and 5 says, Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion or fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in Daniel. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against Daniel except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. The only blame or blasphemy Daniel received was in obeying God, doing what he was supposed to do. The only blame or blasphemy any Christian should be willing to receive is essentially what they slapped upon the Savior accusing him of who he was, the Son of God. We are children of God. Let them blaspheme us all they want as children of God, but not as murmurers and protesters. Paul reminds us that murmuring and complaining, disputing and debating with God, with other brethren, causes injury, injury, that ye may be blameless and harmless. Blameless and harmless, harmless. Does that make a lot of sense in this case? If you stop and think about it, and that's what we're trying to do this evening, it does. With only a little consideration, someone might think that the word is out of place but it is not. Harmless refers to causing injury. Harmless refers to not causing injury, hurt. In one way, when we murmur, we bedim the glory that belongs to God. Lord, you're not running this place properly. You're not running my life the way it should be run. I would like to be in charge. I would like this and this and this. Murmuring and disputing. As others hear that, they perhaps, if they side with us, look down upon our God. Paul gets to this in, in the next phrase. When we murmur, we rob God of his glory. And then when we complain, or when we murmur, we teach others to complain and murmur. Haven't we seen children of Christians hurt or even destroyed by the negativity of their parents? If you haven't seen it, I can give you some examples. Come to me after the service. Going back to the word itself, I have read and I have heard, but I haven't found any proof anywhere, but I'll share it with you anyway, 
Some people have said that harmless comes from the word hornless. I've heard that. I couldn't verify it. Some animals, like uh, various African antelope, don't have fangs, don't have claws, but they do have deadly horns, sometimes three, four feet long and just as sharp as a, well, I won't say a razor, but pretty sharp, pretty pointed. And then other creatures have almost no defenses whatsoever. Sometimes people say, harmless as doves. Obviously, doves don't have horns, so they're harmless. Unless you're another dove. We've been watching them in the backyard. They can get at it from time to time. And then how about harmless as sheep? Sheep don't have horns. Wait a minute. They do have horns. They do have horns. But let's put it this way. Sheep don't go around goring and killing goats and shepherds and sheepdogs. I don't know that we're supposed to be hornless, but we are commanded to be blameless and harmless. And why? Should, why should we do all things without murmuring and disputing? Because we have a commission to shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. We are to shine. That is, we are to bring light into a place where it is needed. I shouldn't need to illustrate that this is a very dark world. The current tears in Israel and Gaza, Ukraine, and so many other places proves it's a dark and dismal place. And perhaps it's the door, uh, the house next door to you. The solution to the turmoil in those places is the light of Christ. And it's our job to spread that light. The Lord has commissioned us to represent His light. We are to do things in order to let His light be seen. Matthew 5, 14. Ye are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men. How do we do that? By doing things, the right things, that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. The purpose of our light is to make the Lord manifest or visible. We are to create a mood, a thirst for the Lord. We are to create a, a cheerful atmosphere where someone might recognize the things of God. We're to light the pathway to the Lord. Lights are used as, as guides, as well as warnings. Our unsaved neighbors do not need to hear our murmurings and disputings. In fact, no one does. These and other sins just dim our lights or darken them completely. And without light, we are pointless. We're purposeless. Our job is to be light and salt. Despite what a great many people think, 
The Lord did not save us to make us feel good about ourselves or just to take us to heaven. He saved us to glorify Him. How do we do that? By doing all things in a proper fashion. We've been saved in order to cast a beam of light upon the one who is the light of the world. We do that by doing all things in a proper way.